and they have all these developments with all they we have all these big cookie cutter houses um, where they're all stacked near each other. Like you don't have a yard. And then it's like, oh, this is good. That means you don't have a yard to maintain. And then they're trying to creep out into the um, the countries, the rural areas um, now, too, and mess those up. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I think it's going to happen. Um, you know, you're only 52. So I think it's going to happen here in the next few years, uh, how they're, they're going. And, and then with the illegal immigration stuff going on down here, and, you know, we point the finger at Biden, but Abbott does have a constitutional authority to do something about it with uh, if there's an invasion. And clearly, this many people crossing the border is an invasion. But he's choosing not to do it. That's intentional, in my opinion. Well, I saw that there were a couple of uh, counties, or I don't know what they call them in Texas, and we call them counties in New York, um, that uh, that have declared an invasion. And I think Uvalde was one of them, or at least politicians within Uvalde. Yes, there was. Uh, what uh, is it? Are they called counties in in Texas? What do you guys call? Yeah, they're called counties. Yeah. Um, so in, in any event, I, I, to get back to your previous question about why I, I, I've chosen sort of the, uh, I, I want to go to a low population state. I don't really want to have to deal with lockdowns again. I don't really want to have to be around big cities. I, 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 I was, my offices had the, the windows blown out of them. I have a first floor office and it wasn't my particular office, but it was right on the other side of the building, that they had their windows smashed during Black Lives Matter. And I think that that riots are, we're going to see riots again. Uh, I'm surprised that we haven't seen riots this this summer already. Um, I mean, to the scale that we saw back during the presidential election, at least. And I, I just, I, I've had enough of it. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had enough of it, too. I like, you know, you know what I did like? The only state that didn't shut down, oh, well, there was another, there's some other states, but they let the counties decide what they're going to do. The only one I saw that didn't was South Dakota. And then, then everyone tried to like kick Christy Nolan out, like, oh no, she's not as cool as DeSantis, you know? And I'm like, well, she didn't shut down. And I see that, you know, sometimes people talk about, oh, well, she wouldn't sign this bill that keeps men from competing in sports. It came. It comes from the state congress, and then you know they have their signing order, and she saw something in it that needed to be fixed, and so they turned on her and act like that she was okay with men competing in sports, and that's why I say like both sides of the media manipulate their audiences, and they they tell you and show you who they they think you should be supporting, and and I sat there and watched that. And I'm just like, man, I really thought like the conservative side weren't sheepy, but I, I started seeing certain things and watching how the media and public figures have manipulated a narrative and they, people just jump on it. Like, yeah. Or they just jump on to instantly, like basically worshiping politicians and public figures. And I'm just like, I thought we were different over here, but I guess not. I don't know. I turned off, I turned off the, uh, pretty much all legacy media, including Fox news, um, right after the presidential election. Uh, in 20, uh, I guess it would have been 2016, really, right after Trump got in. And so I haven't been, I just, I get my news from trusted sources uh, that I see on the internet, uh, reporters that I know to be intellectually honest, who are willing to report facts uh, and not editorialize news uh, delivery. And that's how I consume my news. 
I, I've been quoted in the Washington Post. I've been quoted in, uh, you know, in a lot of major newspapers. Uh, I've been cited for the fact checks on immigration law issues for the Washington Post. And I know exactly how, how the game is played. Um, they have, they have an agenda. Every, every news source out there has an agenda and that is to, to make money. It's no longer about, and I don't know whether or not it was, it was better when I was younger. Uh, and maybe the, the curtain has been lifted back and we're seeing the man behind it now more than ever, but, uh, and this isn't some incredible revelation, but you can't you can't listen to anything. I mean, based on what we saw the last two years, I mean, it's just propaganda, all of it. And they they choose the winners and losers, and that was the reason why they hated. And I didn't vote for Trump in twenty sixteen. I voted for Gary Johnson. I voted for Gary Johnson two elections in a row. Um, matter of fact, but I voted for Trump in 2020. And the reason why I voted for Trump in, in 2020 was because of the impeachment hearings. I saw them, what the Democrats were doing and what the media was doing and what the intelligence community was doing and what the FISA court was doing, which was to basically create, a, use a false narrative to to lie, to be able to unmask a member of the Trump campaign, to be able to use that information to unseat a sitting president through the uh, through the impeachment process. And that stuff can't stand. And that's why I've gotten so irate with Kathy Hochul, because the United States Supreme Court just rendered a, a decision which specifically articulated the inalienable right of the citizens of this country to be able to carry a concealed weapon outside of the home. And what does she do within days in the New York State Legislature? They have passed a new law which basically states that, that you cannot carry concealed in sensitive areas. And, and it's basically everywhere. So even though they may have to change the licensing process in New York State to, to get a concealed carry permit, you're not going to be able to go into any business that doesn't conspicuously identify themselves as welcoming to concealed carry. You can't go into any place where children gather. You can't go into uh, any state uh, uh, office building, which um, generally speaking, you can't do anyways. But they identified a whole series of places that you weren't able to go. And it basically is everywhere. You can't go in any place that serves alcohol, so no restaurants. It's, I mean, in Buffalo, New York, every place serves alcohol. So realistically, you can't go um, into, I mean, you won't be able to do any of your grocery shopping unless the grocery stores specifically set forth a signage that says that you're allowed to wear, uh, uh, you're allowed to conceal carry. So they're, they're eliminating your, they're, what Kathy Hochul has basically said is we do not respect Supreme Court precedent. We are going to pass new law that's clearly unconstitutional and flies in the face of, of, the, of both the, the reading of Justice Thomas's recent decision in New York State pistol and rifle and basically says that we don't believe that the, that the Supreme Court has the right to control how we're going to run our state. So that was the purpose, uh, the, 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 um, 
the origins of that tweet that you read earlier. It's basically so if if the the states don't if the states don't recognize the legitimacy and the authority of the United States Supreme Court, well, it, it cuts both ways because. Right now, there's Democrats that are unhappy with the Supreme Court. Well, they have and they have set they have set the rules of the game. I mean, the reason why we have the Supreme the makeup of the Supreme Court that we have right now is because Harry uh, Reid changed the rules of the game to allow the uh, uh, the, the approval of of justices with, uh, and nuclear option to eliminate the filibuster. So McConnell. Pack the courts with. I mean, there's there were more people under Trump's Trump's lasting legacy will be the, how he changed the the judiciary. Uh, even the Ninth Circuit has has got uh, Trump appointees. So the point being, let's say hypothetically speaking, there is somehow. I mean, we, we've got the most unpopular president of of my half century of living in the White House right now. There is nobody that I have ever seen. And I remember the Carter years. Uh, there's no, and that includes Trump. There is nobody that is more universally disliked with regards to the job performance than Joe Biden, for all the obvious reasons. So, if somehow they don't cheat again, and I, regardless of whether or not you want to use conspiracy theories or not, I don't play the conspiracy theory game. The rules of the game were changed unilaterally with respect to governors uh, allowing uh, what is, in essence, a, um, uh, a ballot harvesting a ballot harvesting schemes. And I haven't seen 2,000 mules, but and I, and I don't like to comment on, on that. But what I do like to comment on is that if Trump had won and Republican governors had changed the laws, the election laws, unilaterally without going through the state legislatures to make it so that Trump could have won those states, there would have been an insurrection and it would have been armed and it would have been fiery. And it, and realistically speaking, uh, I think the U.S. military would have been brought in and it would have been scary. But because the swamp, to use the, you know, the the, the common nomenclature, the everyone wanted Trump out, and the reason why they wanted Trump out was for what we were talking about earlier. They couldn't control him. They could no longer control the narrative. It's the reason why they banned him from Twitter, because he had more people looking at his tweets than they had viewers on their uh, on their news programs. So I know I'm filibustering here, but the reality of the situation is we live in perilous times right now. And anyone that's paying attention should know that the power grab that occurred during the pandemic, that we're never going back to pre-pandemic rules. The game has been changed. And it's the reason why I went out of New York State. It's the reason why I want to go to a state with a small population base. And I just want to live a quiet life. And I recommend... Anyone that has the ability to do that, to, to, to take action now, before it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to point this out, too. You know, some people say, oh, instead of fixing it, you, you're going, people say you, you're running. But you have to, you if, if a state is not representing you anymore, 
and they can deem you as a criminal or do whatever they want to to you. You should also need to be safe as well. Like he said, if you can get be make sure you're safe because you don't want to be in those areas where it's where you can be targeted because of what you think and you believe. And um and then you know we're looking at people getting canceled on social media and losing their jobs because they don't believe certain things that you're, they're su- supposed to believe. It's just crazy how this this mob mentality is um, ruling the nation here because like we're we are a constitutional republic. We are not a democracy. We have to remind people of that all the time because both sides call the United States a democracy when we're not a democracy. No, we're far from it. But the problem is, is that, and I've been talking about this for years. I don't know if you've seen it on my Twitter feed, but it's the Republican governors need to take a stand and need to say that. We don't care that they've just passed red flag laws. You're not going to enforce them in our states because it's right. a, it's a constitutional deprivation without due process. And it's so it's it's both a due process violation as well as a second amendment violation. You're not supposed to be able to without charging an individual with a crime preemptively strip them of their second amendment rights and then and and confiscate their property and then require them to prove that they're no longer a danger to the United States or to the, to the community at large or to themselves. That's not the way the second amendment works because the second amendment is clearly designed to prevent an individual's uh, citizens right to be able to maintain state of the art uh, uh, military grade weapons, weapons of war to use the Democrats, the new buzzword, so that if they are called upon to participate in the common defense, they have the equipment and the ammunition and the training, which they are expected to be trained historically, to be able to form either an, uh, a, uh, an official militia or an unofficial militia in defense of the United States in the event that either an, there is a, an enemy that's foreign or an enemy that's domestic that invades and, uh, and comes in to a state, a particular state, to try to take away constitutional freedoms. And, and so to, to go back to what you're saying with respect to um, why aren't I staying to fight? Well, because the majority of the people in this state want what Kathy Hochul is doing. So there's no, there's no way to win that battle. You, it's one thing. There comes a time where you have to recognize that all you are doing is banging your head against a wall until your head splits open. And that wall has been built by the other people that live in the state. It's not Kathy Hochul can only be Kathy Hochul. Because the people of this state want her to do what it is that she's doing. I live in, I live in Buffalo, New York. I mean, I was one of the, the we're, we're the hosts of one of the recent uh, um, mass shootings. And we have some of the most restrictive gun laws in the, in the United States. But it doesn't, none of these laws stop anybody from, from doing evil. It didn't stop the Boston bomber, bombers from, from, uh, from, uh, murdering people with a pressure cooker. There's no firearms in China. It doesn't stop uh, terrorists in China from going into classrooms and, and murdering dozens of children with knives. 
it doesn't stop an individual from getting into their their van and driving through a parade in Wisconsin. I mean, evil is going to find a way to do evil, and stripping law-abiding citizens of their of their God-given constitutional protections with absolutely no return on that investment is not the not the country that the founding fathers formed. Exactly. And you know what? It's, it's, what they tell us is we're going to keep all these agencies armed. We're going to buy up ammunition so we can arm them and ha- they can have ammo. Uh, the, all the police stations are going to all be able to have all the, the most latest technology and then the firearms and everything like that. But And they can go anywhere with their firearms um, and to schools and, and buildings and restaurants. But you can't. And then expect you to call 911 and then wait for their response time because, you know, your, our response time is faster. It sounds like a nation where they want us to be killed. Um, we don't want us to live. And also, too, another reason why we don't have the invasion problems other countries have had is not just because of where we're located on the globe. It's also because you couldn't go very far and this nation passed a household that didn't have a firearm so that we could protect ourselves. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't a, I was not a gun owner gr- growing up. I can barely now. hear you, Matt. Can you hear me now? Test, 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 test. a little bit. Uh, hold on. I don't know what. I, hopefully, my headphones aren't dying on me. Can you hear me now? I can test, hear test. you, but it sounds really faint. Hold on one second. Let me grab another pair of headphones and see if that helps. I'll be right back. Okay. And in the meantime, you know, a lot of these states that, you know, people don't even talk about, if you look at uh, states who have, like, the best the best uh, gun laws for, you know, people that are actually constitutional, they don't get discussed like that. And really have to look into that. When I first moved, I actually have never lived in a blue state. I lived in Indiana. And then when I moved from Indiana to Texas, one of the biggest things I looked at was which states don't have state income tax because, Indiana, they had so many taxes. They had state, federal, all the federal taxes, that state, county, city taxes. And I'm like, my paycheck's getting eaten up. So when I came to Texas, I had more money in my pocket because they weren't taxing me as much. So when you have more government involved, you don't have as much. You can't really have that life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So the more money that you have in your pocket, you know, more likely people will give it or do things that help in their community. When you don't have as much, you're more so focusing on what you can do to make sure you guys are afloat. And when they say, oh, well, if you get rid of these programs, then no one's going to help. That's not true. People are paying taxes right now and still giving to charity. So imagine if they have more of their money, they can put it to where it actually goes and then stop focusing. You wanting the government to solve all these problems or these these um, these, these charities that were they're not necessarily supposed to be affiliated with any party, but they're there are affiliate parties, but somehow can still exist. It, that's just so interesting to me where we have party, we have, um, and you see that their, their website when they get donations are like actblue.com. I'm like, that, how is that not a party affiliation? And I actually, if you go to actblue.com's website and it talks about the donations and how that works, everything, they said if it's a Republican candidate that's running for office that they cannot use their platform. That's not nonpartisan. That's, that's, the, that's divided. You can't, they, I don't know how they're getting away with that. Um, and then the same thing in same token on the other side where they say, oh, we're a nonprofit, but we're telling you to walk away from one party and go to another party. That's I don't I'm not seeing how people are getting away with that, according to these laws for, um, you know, status of being a nonprofit. Well, can you hear me now, by the way? I can hear you now. 
Okay, good. Um, I, I, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, the American Immigration Lawyers Association which, Association, which is the bar, private bar association I've been a member of for, since 19, I want to say 97, 98, uh, they endorsed, for the first time that I was a member, uh, they endorsed Joe Biden secretly for president. This is not for profit. And I was, I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. Uh, and it, it, in my opinion, it undermines all credibility if you're a non-for-profit and you stray away from the, the mission that you have articulated in your mission statement and engage in political electioneering. You're not a not-for-profit. You're a propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at like at these alphabet agencies. Good. Oh, another thing you're talking earlier about the Supreme Court. And it's, it's like we don't have checks and balances anymore. We have the, um, we have the executive branch that has these agencies, which they're using them to enforce, um, to, in a sense, they're creating and enforcing their own un- unconstitutional laws. You're not supposed to be writing laws, but Congress will write the, the laws and then they'll have like a note where, oh, if these people in this meantime need to adjust or tweak something that they can. That's not how that's supposed to work. But that doesn't get talked about because it's not something they want the public knowing is going on. And so that these these organizations, here's another one, you know, um, the Animal uh, Welfare Act. And I use that. Um, animal and plant services that that department they actually have activists with their email address with their email address and and they're actually speaking to people and meetings opposed to people who are actually a part of that organization that's not how that's supposed to work and it's just our government is not operating the way a constitutional republic supposed to be and we're supposed to have checks and balances and i have a question you did bring up the bar the bar association i, I want to be uh, fair in this question uh with the bar association isn't there an inner uh, kind of a isn't there like a overlap with the DA, the judges and attorneys and all that? How's there checks and balances that they're all coming from one association? And I'm not saying that you out- operate that way or anything, but when you have um, the making um, uh, sorry and prosecutors making judgments, and the whole goal is to have a high win rate or and, and not seeking justice and how is that how does that mess with doesn't that mess with our checks and balances with that and then is is well, what is the bar it, association like doing behind the scenes uh with that well the in, in so immigration law is unlike is unlike most other areas of law and that it's it's an administrative area of law so it's not under the judiciary. It's under the executive branch. It's under the Department of Homeland Security and and uh, the Department of Justice uh, with respect to the enforcement of the immigration law and then the immigration judges. So basically, uh, the president of the U.S. sets policy as to how the immigration law is going to be enforced. And then the immigration judges are also employees of the executive branch and take their marching orders from the executive branch. And it used to be that there was some autonomy, but that's all changed. It changed under Obama and Trump did the same thing, which is that they set the policy. They tell the judges how they want cases to be ruled on and the judges uh, follow suit for the most part. Now, Ironically, ironically, 
the directives that uh, are currently being challenged right now, the most recent directives, prosecutorial discretion directives from from the Obama, excuse me, the Biden administration. I, I apologize if I call them Obama a couple times, probably. But in any event, Biden has directed the chief counsel's office, which is basically the prosecutors for, for, for immigration standpoint, to terminate almost all cases that are pending before the courts unless there is uh, some sort of a serious uh, criminal ground of, of removability that's, that's at play. So, I mean, I, I'm a deportation defense lawyer. I've got maybe three or four deportation cases pending right now. Almost all of my cases got terminated. Almost all of them. And they're not instituting new proceedings against people. So if you're inside of the United States, based on the – I think that there's at this point over a million people that are uh, – well, actually, who knows now because of how many terminations uh, have happened. But they're clearing the backlog of pending cases by just terminating proceedings and allowing individuals that were in violation of law and that were encountered and had immigration court proceedings instituted against them to remain in the United States, potentially indefinitely, unless they resume interior enforcement of the law. And the reason why the and this is, I would say, the 90 plus percent, and I'm just throwing out an arbitrary percentage of why we're seeing all of these individuals flooding to the southern border. Like, and we did not see that under Trump is because they know that if they can get into the United States, they're not going to get deported, and it could be decades before that even if they are caught and if they start to, to resume deportation, that it could be decades before they ever even have to go before an immigration judge based on the backlogs of, uh, of cases in, in the high population areas. So there is basically no enforcement, interior enforcement of U.S. immigration law. Under Biden. I've never seen anything like it. Obama deported more people than all the presidents of the 20th century combined. Obviously, Trump deported fewer people than Obama. Biden doesn't deport anybody. Unless you're a serious criminal. And ironically, most immigrants, most immigrants are not serious criminals. Most immigrants are hardworking. They're here because they see the freedoms that we used to have and the opportunities that we used to have, which are so far beyond what is in their countries with no freedom and no opportunity. And they come here and they work their asses off and they work their asses off and they have and, and generally um, the immigrants, at least in my practice and as I said, 25 years of practice of immigration law, and I have represent people from all over the world. But the vast majority of the clients that I've seen in my career are married with children, and they, they work. They, the people work their asses off. They support their kids. Their kids go to school. They excel in school, and they're living the American dream. That's not that's not an uncommon story that I have seen. And I started this all off saying I'm a conservative. I am a conservative, and I believe in the enforcement of U.S. immigration law. I'm not someone that believes that that individuals should be allowed to sneak into this country and stay here indefinitely. I, I don't believe in that at all. I think that what I think that needs to be to be done 
And unfortunately, the Democrats are opposed to, uh, opposed to it. I spent the better part of a summer back when Obama was president uh, working with the House, uh, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, crafting uh, legislation that would potentially fix our immigration problem. And it all got scuttled as soon as uh, uh, Obama lost the Senate and uh, elected to uh, use executive actions to impose um, uh, DACA 2 and DAPA, which would be protections for the children of undocumented immigrants. So that solution would be to provide a simple way for these individuals that come to the U.S. to work. I mean, are you still there? I'm here, but Hello? I was talking this whole time and I didn't hear anybody talk and everyone's mic was muted. So I don't know what's going on with the app right now. Uh, I'm not sure because uh, I, I was talking my I was talking a lot. So can you hear me now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can hear you now. All right. Someone just gave us a thumbs up. But yeah, uh, the I don't know what's going on. All right. So, they, can hear you, uh, so, but they couldn't hear me. Good. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, let me just summarize. The, I won't summarize. Let me just give you my solution. The solution is a guest worker program, and and I'm not saying that people should uh, that immigrants should be allowed to get get into the country to to work in any capacity that, that, that they want. What Congress can do is they can go through the use the Department of Labor. That's what the the Department of Labor is for to assess what industries are facing significant labor shortages that Americans either don't want the jobs or there aren't enough Americans uh, around in the specific areas for the jobs. And after the Department of Labor has done their job, said these are the industries we need workers. We can't operate efficiently without workers. And at that point, uh, basically an employment authorization document could be issued through creation of this guest worker program. Somebody who has the, uh, the, the skills or the experience to be able to come in and fill that, that that role for a U.S. employer should be issued a visa to be able to come in to only work in those industries and be provided employment authorization. And then you monitor those employers to ensure that if they are hiring people, that all of those people have come in the right way, that they came in legally, they've been vetted. We know that they're not uh, uh, individuals with underlying grounds of inadmissibility stemming from criminal grounds, etc. And if they did that, you wouldn't see caravans coming to this country because you would see people coming into the U.S. to work. They would have their wages taxed. We would get tax dollars out of them. There would be Social Security taken out of those uh, out of those wages. And whatever they have left, those individuals send almost all of it back home. And it goes so far back in their home countries. So that's the way to fix the problem. But unfortunately, Democrats don't want that. Gotcha. I caught the that last piece. I respoke on that, but did someone did, was someone else up there talking to you and asked you a question before you said that? No, I just saw a privacy phone guy uh, had in the in the app had uh, was in the chat and said that he could hear. Okay, he could hear me. Okay, good, good. Okay, I'm sorry. I I I apologize that that happened and. Uh, I also thought that y'all can hear me too because I was giving Philip crap for not coming up and grabbing a mic and he's up here with a mic, but he hasn't unmuted it yet. But now that you've finished, I appreciate that. Philip, is your mic working? 
Yeah, I guess so. I, I was trying to, to get up earlier and it wouldn't let me go up. Oh, okay. Yeah, you guys just make sure that you um you guys have updated the app. Um, there's been some bugs that were fixed, so that might be why we're having a little a few issues here. Um, hey, Philip, how's it going? I'm doing good, I guess. Can't complain. Doesn't do any good. I don't know if it's so, my, my stuff. I can barely hear you. Well, I'm ta- I'm talking on my Bluetooth. I can talk louder. Is that better? No, you might have to take the Bluetooth off because I can't hear you. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you're oh. usually really loud. I, about, I can hear Philip as well, but he... How about now? That's A better. lot better. <laughs> I, turned my, I turned off my Bluetooth. Um, um, so I was reading the title, and it's the best state to live in in, in America. You still sound yeah. quiet again. So anyway, I was reading the title, The Best State to Live in America. I can't think of not one. Um, Our two-party system is pretty well destroyed every damn state. And the ones that haven't destroyed, they're working on destroying. So I can't think of one. Um, And illegal immigration. Listen, I live on a border town, uh, Matthew. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the RGV is still Grand Valley. Okay, do you know where that's at? I don't know exactly where it's at, but I sympathize with you. I wouldn't want people walking into my backyard across the border and, and well, possibly doing me and my family harm. Well, I've already been shot, tied to a tree. My animals are stolen. My animals are slaughtered in the field. Parts of them eaten. We find dead bodies, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but I'm going to tell you this. Now, I when I watch the news, it shows how bad it is now. But I've li- I lived there at the end. I-, I moved there at the end of the last of Obama's term, all through Trump's presidency, and now through Biden. And living there, I can't tell a difference other than than what they say on the news. Okay, nothing has changed. It has been the same thing over and over and over. And it doesn't matter if we have Republicans elected or Democrats elected. The the problem with the with the border is our political, judicial, and law enforcement officials on these border towns work for the guys south of the border. You know what I'm saying? I do. So that that you you really can't see a difference. And, and it doesn't matter, it really doesn't matter what people are doing until they step in and clean house uh, on those law enforcement, judicial, and uh, political systems. And, and see, I'd run for state senator of, of the district down there. Um, and I ran, I'd ran as a Republican. And that's when I found out just how corrupt and crooked the Republican Party was. Um, you know, when I was sitting at the Capitol and, and quote-unquote rubbing elbows with the RNC, they didn't give a shit about any of that. And they proved it to me over and over. All they cared about was turning it red. And they didn't care who was elected as long as they had an R next to their name. They didn't care what their actual policies were. 
um, as long as when they stood up in front of the cameras, they, they quoted the, the RNC's platform. Like, they didn't care about any of that. It was all about winning. So there's absolutely nothing that can really be done on the federal Well, there's plenty that can be done on the federal level, but we'll get there. But, but until these states, and I can only speak for Texas, until these states step in and says, you know what, Republican, Democrat, whatever the hell you are, you got to go. Because at the end of the day, you're just cartel affiliated. We don't have time for you for that. So, I mean, that, that, that's a huge, huge issue. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't know. If, I guess I would introduce myself. I'm Philip Drake. I'm an independent presidential candidate for 2024. So I went from running from state senator to running for president of the United States in 2024. Um, and and listen, I know, I personally know some people that are not here legally, and you are right. I wouldn't call them friends, but they're definitely acquaintances. And you are right; they just want to work. I mean, they're they're good people. They're here illegally, but they're still here, you know they're still here illegally. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a process, and they should have to go through that process, and and that's the way it should be. Whether they have ill intentions or good intentions, it really doesn't matter. Um, and we do have to start seeing this for what it is. We can't see it as, as anything other than what the Constitution states. It's an invasion. Now, that doesn't matter that you go, that, that, that doesn't mean that you go in guns a blazing and you shoot these innocent people that are ignorant to the facts and ignorant to the law and just want a better life. So, what you have to do is you have to hold who is actually responsible. Now, our government's responsible for both of, for, for a lot of this, and that's both sides of the aisle. It doesn't matter if it's red or blue. I agree. Um, and, and if anybody thinks any different, then they're just, congratulations, they have been brainwashed. Um, um, but we have to call it what it is, and we have to hold who is actually responsible, which is the cartels and the Mexican government. Now, people will tell me, well, the Mexican government's not responsible because most of these people that are coming across are not Mexican. Yeah, well, no kidding, but it's the Mexican government that allows the cartel to do these things. It's the Mexican government that gets kickbacks and, and gets money in their pockets. Their officials get money in their pockets for these people who get brought over here. For these children that get brought over here without their parents, for for you know the sex trafficking, for the drugs, for all that stuff. So it is an invasion, and it is, and you can quote me on this. Everyone can quote me on this. It is an act of war, period, and it needs to be treated as such. And you will find out that we will not have to go to war with the Mexican government or the cartel. Because there is one thing that I have learned from living on the on the border. They're horrible to their own people because it is a submissive culture. Okay, so you have a hierarchy. You basically have the, the quote-unquote elite, which is the, the government and the cartel. And then you have the, as they like to call them, the peasants. Um, I'm not calling them that. They call them that. Um, so it, it, it's not necessarily that the hierarchy, the higher-ups, are brave and well, they're evil, but brave and and as badasses as what we think because they're really not. They all come from the same place. They all come from the same culture, and it is an extremely submissive culture. So if we have great leadership and we have leadership that will go to El Presidente down there 
and doesn't mind calling out the cartel, we can put a stop to this. We absolutely can, and we can do it without firing a shot. But it's going to get so far, we're going to get so far behind that there's going to have to be shots fired. And I don't want to see that happen because I promise you, I promise you, if it ever comes to that, it will be the innocents that are the first to fall. Of course. It is our responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. The wall doesn't work. I know there's a lot of people that says, oh, wall this, wall that. It doesn't. I farm farm on both sides of the damn wall, and I tell people that. They're like, what do you mean? I said, well, the wall splits the property on both sides of the United States of America. Well, how do you get on the other side? There's a big gap and asshole in the thing. I mean, I can't well, and, and, and that's the reason why you need to provide a legal – because the way the law is set up right now, there's no real way for these people to come here legally. There, there just isn't. I mean, there, there oh, are I, some – I agree. So – and, and it's the only way you're going to stop people from coming uh, – there's two ways that you're going to stop them from coming illegally. You militarize the southern border. You put our forces – you, you put our armed forces – on the southern border, and you patrol it, and you act accordingly when someone, if if if, if there's if as you had said, if this is an act of war, you have uh, rules of engagement that would be uh, uh, the same as what you would see in in a, in a theater of war. That's one way. I don't. I'm, I'm not necessarily. Um, stating an opinion on whether or not we should militarize our southern border, but it may be one of the only ways to solve the problem. The other, but the other way is reduce the number of individuals that are coming here illegally by actually giving them a legal mechanism to come here the right way. Because most of these people just want to come here the right way, and they're not they're not coming here to vote. They, I, I the, they could most of these people are literally just coming here. For the same reason that our ancestors came here, which was for a better life. And if you give them the ability to have a better life and doing it legally so that they don't have to hide in the shadows, they don't have to be looking over their shoulders every five seconds to make sure that Immigration and Customs Enforcement isn't about to knock down their door. They don't have to worry about being pulled away from their children in, in the middle of the night because chances are the children aren't even going to be there. If they came here legally, they'll be, their kids will be back home and they will be sending money back home. And so if you provide a way for a large percentage of people to come to the U.S. legally, it will reduce the amount of illegal immigration down to manageable levels. And that way we would be able to patrol our, our border and actually, CBP could do their job by well, see, having. Go ahead. I actually agree with you, and I think. But but here's the thing: I think we've got to the point to where it's going to take both. I think we're going to have to get the military involved on our southern border till we get to the till we get everything lined up like what you're talking about. I don't disagree with you. That's the reason why I said. Dude, I think I think it's going to take both. I absolutely think it's going to take both. Um, um, I don't know if you have Donnie's phone number or not. Uh, Donnie, does he have your phone number? Not uh, yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, um, um, I'm going to send you mine, Matthew. <laughs> and, and, unless you just don't want to call me. You're welcome to call me and we can talk talk about this more privately. And uh, I, maybe we can get something 
we can get something going, we can get something fixed, because this is an issue that absolutely does have to be addressed. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any way that this is going to get fixed. I've been seeing the, the, both, Matthew, both the Democrats. Matthew, Matthew, you ain't never met me, brother. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> we can. In any event, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're thinking about both Democrats and Republicans. Let's just pretend like they don't exist because it's going to. Well, I was a libertarian. I was a registered libertarian for for twenty for uh, t- over twenty five years for more like thirty something years. Well, that's fine too. But but listen, see, here's the thing. We we keep going back. Well, the Democrats and the Republicans are going to do anything. They're not going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do. It. Look, I agree with you. They're not going to do anything. It's a broken system. We have a two party system that's just. I uh, it's, it, it's I. I am ashamed that they exist in a straight country, but the system, that party system does exist, and that's what we have to deal with. So I'm going to tell you this. We have to start stop thinking about what they can do, and we have to start thinking about what we know we can do as a people. See, this is all about the people, and there is steps that can be without violence. There is steps that... that that the people can do to go forward and make a difference and make a change and save our country. And um, it can be done, absolutely 110%. I know it can be done. Well, as my father always liked to say, the political pendulum always it always swings back the other way. But in any event, it was a pleasure to talk to both of you. I hate to have to, to, to pull out of this conversation, but uh, it's uh, starting to get late in, in Buffalo, New York, and I've got an early morning. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys for hum- coming on and discussing this. Matthew, I appreciate you for coming on and having this conversation. Love to have you back. And hopefully next time we won't have um, some technical issues where we can have um, more of a conversation a little longer. But, uh, yeah, that, that was great. I would love to have you back. That was fun. Um, and I appreciate your insights and the, the value that you provided for the community to, this evening. Well, I, I was, it was a pleasure to, to speak to both of you, and I, I look forward to the next time. You, you guys have a good night, okay? You too. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys. On that note, we're going to close out in the anthem. And, uh, again, we do have a show tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time with Shaka the God, and we'll be discussing the Supreme Court sneaking in, um, overthrowing the um, Miranda rights um, right the same day as Roe versus Wade. It was overshadowed. We're going to discuss that um, in depth. Uh, we're going to discuss the Fifth Amendment because apparently some people don't understand their rights and freedoms and or people just, you know, really love a police state. So I'm going to go ahead and close out an anthem. I'll talk to you guys later. I may or may not. I think, depending on my mood, and maybe the next hour, I may start a space. So um, if you guys are in the group, a message on um, on Twitter, let me know if you all want to do a space or not, because I'm thinking about doing that. All right, you guys. Bye. Created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government. 
laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown, that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into The Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property, be free.